بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم ما بعد قال الله سبحانه وتعالى فإذا أفضت من عرفات فاذكروا الله عند المشعر الحرام واذكروه كما هداكم وإن كنتم من قبله لمن الضالين ثم أفيضوا من حيث أفاض الناس واستغفروا الله إن الله غفور رحيم فإذا قضيتم مناسككم فاذكروا الله كذكركم آباءكم أو أشد ذكره فمن الناس من يقول ربنا آتينا في الدنيا وما له في الآخرة من خلاق ومنهم من يقول ربنا آتينا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار أولئك لهم نصيب مما كسبوا والله سريع الحساب صدق الله العظيم Dear brothers and sisters and students السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed this ummah uh, again this year and selected thousands of people from amidst us from across the world, from across the globe and accepted them, invited them for the sacred Hajj and gave them an opportunity to visit his house and perform the rites of Hajj in a manner that thousands and millions prior to them have done so. Every single year Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala selects this delegation to perform this once in a lifetime uh, fard opportun- uh, journey of visiting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's house and visiting the Prophet sallallahu home and going through the rites of Hajj as was prescribed by uh, our Prophet sallallahu following the teaching, following the Sunnah of Prophet Ibrahim and his family. Brothers and sisters, as we just have arrived this week, few thoughts I'd like to share. Memories of our wonderful journey. We pray and we hope that Allah subhanahu wa taala accepts it on behalf of everyone uh, who went for Hajj this year. <clears throat> One thing that would love to share with our friends here is the fact that there is uh, so much khair and so much goodness left within the ummah. There's so much to be proud about. There's so much to be thankful about. There's so much to be happy about. And it is so inspiring to see the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that is still ingrained in people's hearts. Uh, Sometimes which is so um, unexpected. A person doesn't realize that how much love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is within this person's heart. And sometimes when we see maybe the masjid not so full for Fajr Salah, or empty rather I would say. And maybe sometimes for Jumu'ah you see, well it could have been more people. And a person sees that, that there's so many other mistakes that we have collectively and individually. But when a person goes for Hajj we see that there's thousands, just a mass, it's an innumerable number, innumerable number of people who are going through such difficulty, going through all the rites of Hajj, fulfilling it in the extreme heat, without complaining, without making a fuss about it. And you, you look at that person, you say, what would make a person do something like that? Why would someone do something like this? Why would someone put themselves through such difficulty? Uh, when they have very well, nice homes and clothing and comforts, all of that stuff they have neglected and left behind and have put themselves in this situation that you feel pity for them. You, you as a human being, as a fellow haji, you pity them. And then you wonder why did this person put themselves in this situation? And the answer is nothing but love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the love for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa I remember a few years back when it started raining during, during um, Mina, during the stay of Hajj after um, you know, the Yom al-Arafah and the water had reached to uh, knee and up to a certain places waist length and it was it was you know shoes and dirt and filth floating around whatever was there it was unbelievable unbearable to walk as well 
But subhanAllah, in that state, people still going for pelting the stones. No one is looking at what, what's going on. Where am I walking? I am literally knee full in dirt. Knee, uh, you know, all the way till some people's waist. Till here, just dirty water floating all around. And it seemed that for people didn't care about that. And it really is true. People weren't even looking at that. They were focused on fulfilling the right of Hajj. Today, this year, it was, it, that level of rain wasn't there. But definitely the heat was there. And you see people uh, in that level of heat, there's no time of the day in which tawaf is not being done without any fans, without any AC, without any ceiling, without any roof. Yet thousands of people at any given moment circulating and going round and round the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala dripping in sweat and sweat of other people. You can't differentiate between a water balloon or, or a bucket of water thrown on someone or their own sweat or someone else's sweat. There's no complaining, subhanAllah. You wonder at this level of heat, it's difficult to go outside to get an ice cream cone. It's difficult outside to go to even get to your car. You wouldn't want to even go to your car and say, I'd rather stay inside. That level of heat, when you're looking at 120, 125. And then in this level, people are taking an hour and 15 minutes with thousands of other people right next to them and doing tawaf, subhanAllah. What, what, where did this energy come from? This energy is called the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you see a hunchback old lady and her husband, you know, could definitely above 90, and almost in a circle, such hunchbacks holding on to their sticks and staff, walking towards the house of Allah, you can't hold your emotions back when you see something like this. And you say, what made this person leave her house, leave her home from Uzbekistan? They may have come, they may have come from Afghanistan, they may have come from some far out East Asian, West Asian, African country, not knowing any language of this land not knowing anything, have sold all their belongings in order to make it to this journey. And you see them in this state, walking from, in, from, their, from their mina tents, an hour and a half, two hours, two hours and 15 minutes to pelt their stones. Old people that you would find difficult for them to get out of their bed to go to drink the water from the water fountain. Where did they get energy to walk for two and a half hours in this heat one way? And that's nothing but the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that's ingrained in the people's hearts. When you look at people who you know have absolutely are far away from technology, do not know, and forget about a cell phone, don't know much other things than that as well, from, from light bulbs, from running water, completely unaware of these things because they come from such remote villages. And you wonder what difficulty they must have gone through and endured in order to come to the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and in order to go through this journey. And you say, how did this person know about the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? How did they make it out here? Again, it was a magnetic force that was beckoning them, that was inviting them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's house put that desire in them that they run towards them, that they come towards them. One of the ulama, he writes, he said that my mother, I would see when we were young, long ago, you know, in the 50s and whatnot. He said, my mother, I used to see after every salah, while she used to sit on the floor, pray her salah, after every salah, early hours of tahajjud, in early morning hours, she would take something in her hand. She had a little something on her keychain. And she would take and she looked inside for a long time. And then she put it away. She put it away. She said, every single day I would see her as a young child, my mother doing this. And when I saw afterwards, I took it from her to see what is this. And those of us, and many of you remember this from the 80s. They used to sell these things. I don't see them anymore. And there was these little keychains uh, where they would have a, a, a small picture of the haram. Small picture of the Kaaba on one side, a small picture of Masjid al-Nabwi on the other side, and it would have a little glass. 
and you would look through it like a magnifying glass and it would take the picture and it would make it huge, make, make it large, right? Many of you probably remembering something like that. They used to be sold in the 80s, uh, maybe even in the early 90s. <clears throat> and he said, every single day, my mother would look and I said, what are you doing, Ma? What are you doing? And she says, I, I, after salah, you know, when the du'as are accepted, I look at the, at the house of Allah and the house of the Prophet and then I turn to Allah and say, Ya Allah, this is all I can do right now. I pray that one day, that day comes true where I'm able to actually make that journey. We're able to make that journey to your house. That was the reason that people, subhanAllah, they had, their hajj was so powerful because they had genuine desire and love when they didn't have the means for it. But they had that love burning desire in a person's heart that I wish, I wish I could go. I wish one day my eyes can set upon this blessed lands. I remember when we went to Medina, and we would say salam to the Prophet ﷺ. It would be a, a goosebump experience many times. Many times, sometimes multiple times in the day would go. And it would, be, it would be an experience because one is our own emotions, which unfortunately are not where it should be. It's not, it, you know, we're not exactly at the height where we would love it to be. But then you would still see some elderly people, uh, uh, and uh, weak people, sick people. The way they break down in front of the Prophet ﷺ, and the way their emotions come out, you, you end up crying and breaking down just looking at those emotions. And you say, subhanAllah, who said Islam is not alive today? Who said that the Prophet ﷺ's love is not alive today? Who said that Muslims don't love their Prophet, that they don't love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Where did this burning desire come into this elderly person? As though his son or his daughter has passed away, his wife has passed away, his mother has passed away. At the departure of the Prophet ﷺ, that I'm not with the Prophet ﷺ. He is in his grave and I'm not with him. Where did this huzn, this hum, this concern, this fear, or this, this genuine anxiety of separation? When we leave, when that last, when the last time when the bus is, arrives and we have to board the bus and leave the beloved city of the Prophet ﷺ, and everyone says, can we not wait one more hour? He says, no, 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 absolutely not. We have to get going. People who visited Haramayn al-Sharif know their words can't describe that remorse, that sorrow that overtakes a person. The last look as we go around Jannatul Baqir and the last look you have from your bus on the green dome and the dweller who resides within that, underneath that, subhanAllah, it overtakes a person to say that I wish most definitely I could have lived here forever and that I would be lucky enough to be from amongst those people whose bodies accepted within the city, in the city limits in Jannatul Baqir so that I'd be raised first on the day of judgment and enjoy the intercession of the Prophet Brothers and sisters, Islam is alive. The love of Allah and His love of Rasul is alive. And people are being accepted. People are being drawn towards that. We have to become from those who, whether we went this year or not, regardless, but are also line up from amongst those people who have genuine love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, genuine love for Rasulullah so that we get raised from amongst these people tomorrow on the Day of Judgment. Another aspect of this Hajj one would share with you is, uh, uh, is the fact that feeling insignificant Feeling insignificant about our own selves. When a person sees, when you see millions of people walking towards together, millions of people doing tawaf, millions of people going towards the Ramil Jamarat, a person looks at himself and sees, who am I? What am I? What is my haythiya? What is my, yani, uh, what am I? I'm a speck on the earth. I'm nobody. I am nothing. You are, we, we say we have such a big, uh, you know, a nice position. I'm right now in line with the Kaaba. I'm on a roof enjoying the fresh air. And a person's so happy thinking of himself. But then you look to your right till the eye can see there's people. 
You look to the left, you see, till I can see these people. You look below on the first floor, on the second floor, in the mataf floor, ground floor. Then if you have possible, if you see, maybe on the cameras afterwards, on all the uh, massive uh, sihan and exterior areas of the haram, millions of people, millions of people. And you say, Ya Allah, you really don't need me here. You really don't need me to be praising you. You, don't, you really don't need me to be glorifying you. I am just one of millions of people. You know, how do I make myself stand out? Each one of us thinks we stand out. Each one of us thinks that we're special. But subhanAllah, in reality is when we look at the billions of people and the millions of people who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala already has. And then let's start with the angels. When they say, Ya Allah, uh, are you creating those who are going to shed blood? Are we not enough? Oh Allah, we're present here. Why would you need anyone? To glorify you besides you, besides us. We have millions of people. The Prophet ﷺ said that there isn't a space of four finger lengths in the entire heavens and the earth. But that there is an angel who has put his head down in prostration for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why he said, That the sky is creaking. The sky is creaking. You can't hear it creaking. But Allah, the Prophet said it's creaking. Due to the weight of Trillions of angels. And it's only right for it to creak because it's so packed, jam packed with angels. And what are they all doing? They are performing sajda, they are performing ruku'ah, they are prostrating, bowing down to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in some way, shape, or form, glorifying Him. Brothers and sisters, we realize that we are not needed. If we get accepted to come here for Jum'ah Salah, if we get accepted to come and perform our Salat Al-Fajr, if we get accepted to send a thousand salutations today on the Prophet ﷺ, the honor is ours. If we get accepted to give five dollars sadaqah today, if we get accepted to donate a thousand dollars to a good cause, the honor is ours. We are the ones who are lucky. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't need I, doesn't need you, doesn't need our wealth, doesn't need our time. It is we who need Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ya ayyuhal nasu antum al-fuqara'u ila Allah wa Allah wa al-ghani hamid O believers, O people, you are the one who is in need of Allah and Allah is all free of, free of all want. Free of all want, free of all need, worthy of all praise. Brothers and sisters, another point that a person saw and would notice very easily is how difficult our life we have made for ourselves. Life is meant to be simple. Life is meant to be easy for us. But by adding all sorts of additional things to our life, by, by populating with gadgets and by material things, and staying away from a life of aestheticism and zuhud, we have made our life more difficult. Now, a person can't fall asleep. I remember, subhanAllah, that scene where one of the brothers, you know, <laughs> in that heat, wallahi, it's ajib. In 112 degree, 110 degree, the AC is not working. The tents are hot and literally we are, the entire pillow is completely soaking in sweat. And in that heat, people are snoring away. Our own, not people from Africa, people from America, from Chicago. Snoring away so loud, sometimes you wake up. And you look at that person, you say, really? How are you snoring like this? When your whole pillow is drenched with sweat. But a person, mashallah, is sleeping. And that same person afterwards, you say, he says, subhanAllah, you know, I have to take, I'm on this machine, this tablet, this medication. So hard for me to fall asleep at night. So hard for me to fall asleep at night. I stay awake on this stress and that stress. And today here, while a person is, is drenched with sweat, he is snoring away, mashallah, a peaceful sleep. We have made our lives difficult. We, if a person stays away from all these unnecessary additions to our life, you see how life can be so enjoyable, so simple, so beautiful. But when a person adds all these things and makes himself muhtaj and needy of it, then it seems as though life can't function without it. 
Life can't function without a $5,000 bed. Life can't function without some type of pills. Life can't function without the latest gadgets and the latest smartphones and the latest connectivity. We, we have experience and people have experience that without that smartphone, without that connectivity, and without those expensive beds and those ACs, what beautiful night's rest a person can get. Such beautiful night's rest where you're able to actually wake up and perform tahajjud also for half hour. What better? You got the best of dunya and akhirah. You got a good night's rest and you're able to get up and pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well. You got everything you wanted, what you could dream of in difficulty. What happened? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who gives sleep. Allah is the one who gives rest. Beds don't, places don't. These are all means, but the actual provider of all of that is none other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You see a manifestation of that. Simple life, enjoyable. There were brothers who lost their bags, who didn't have their suitcases, or who brought very, who packed extremely light, extremely light. For the five days of hajj, a bag that has maybe three pounds, two pounds, that's it. Two, one pair of clothes, and maybe a book or two, and maybe a bottle of water in their miswak. That's it. And how are, they, how are they enjoying it? Amazing. Then you see the people on the street for those five days who didn't have tents, who were not part of any other group. They were sitting on the streets. This was something that really moved us when we would see not one or two, but hundreds and thousands of people who didn't have any shelter, who had no umbrellas, who had no tents, and that direct heat of 115 degrees would be hitting him and their wife and their four to five kids, some of them in strollers, some of them lying on a hasir, on a little mat, on the hot pavement of Mina. And what, what is it? Whatever leftover foods they are, wherever there's a pile of food, they'll go pick up something. They'll go pick up from someone else's trash. Leftover, someone drops off a of food, they'll take that. But that doesn't stop them. That doesn't say, why am I here? I was better off at home. Why am I sitting here in this heat with my wife and my four or five kids? Absolutely not, my brothers and sisters. It is that genuine desire that let me follow through the manasik of hajj, the way the Prophet ﷺ taught it. And let me stay here and perform this. And there, all of them are looking at people who weren't able to make it. Each one is looking at someone who has less than them. If we look at people who are above us, we will never be appreciative of what we have. We'll never be content. There's no end to that. There's always Over every knowledgeable person is someone who has more knowledge. Over every wealthy person is someone who has more wealth. There's no end to this hirs. There's no end to this greed. But if a person were to look at people who, who don't have as much, you'll begin to genuinely appreciate. The person who is lying on the ground with his family, he's looking at those people, subhanAllah, who are blind. There are people who are blind. Yes, there's people who are crippled. They are, being, they are crawling on their fours. The entire trip, they're crawling on their fours. They are people who are carrying their children who are mentally ill. Now we see this and we, we would get emotional looking at what type, what type of difficulty this parent must be going by carrying their mentally ill boy or girl. Eight years old, seven years old, who's throwing tantrums when they see these crowds, who's not able to handle it. But of course, they have no one to look after the children at home. No one there to look after. And so they brought these kids. Some of them holding their kids in their hands. Some of them holding them on their necks. And you see, subhanAllah, what difficulty these people are going through. Everyone is looking at someone who has it more difficult. And then he belittles his own difficulty. And he says, subhanAllah, I'm not that bad off. I am actually very lucky. Like, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's attributed to Saadi. Uh, when he saw that after Salat al-Jum'ah, someone had uh, taken his, his shoes and he's, and, he, and he's walking out without shoes and wondering, subhanAllah, what happened? Why did it happen sometimes here as well? You lose your shoes, you get upset. But as, as the thought of, 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 of unhappiness came over him, he saw someone who did not have legs, who was, whose legs were amputated. Immediately he remembered that, subhanAllah, I need to be appreciative of what I have. I cannot be complaining over what I don't have. Rather look at thousands who do not have as much as I do and be appreciative of that. 
Brothers and sisters, sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends a message to you by people. Once I was doing wudu here in this trip in, in, uh, in, in Medina, and a person came up to me and said, oh, you seem to be a person of knowledge, a random person. He said, I have a question regarding the du'as of wudu. Should you do du'a, are you, should you be reciting various du'as? Is this a bid'ah or is this a sunnah? He asked me that. Uh, and I answered and I said, Yo, this is, uh, many of the du'as are not necessarily prescribed, but in order to keep concentration in wudu, it's completely fine. The books mention these du'as. In order to keep, for example, you're washing your right hand. Oh Allah, grant me the book of deeds in my right hand. You're washing your left hand. Oh Allah, do not grant my book of deeds in my left hand. You're, you are wiping your neck. Oh Allah, save my neck from the fire of hell. So forth. Thinking about these du'as as you go through the actions of wudu is a great way to keep yourself concentrated. And then he says, you know, as we walk out, we go back upstairs to the masjid. Uh, and right outside the Masjid Nabu, we we're about to enter. And he says, you know, I want you to make dua for me. I said, subhanAllah, please, you do the same. He says, no, no, but you don't understand about me. You don't know. I said, no, I don't. I don't know anything about you. He says, no, you don't know who I am. I said, who are you? He said, subhanAllah, I am that most dirty, the most dirty scum of earth. I am the worst speck. Because of me, I, darkness in the world has come. The entire darkness in the world is my fault. I am that dirty speck of an insignificant black dot on earth that has ruined the environment of the world. SubhanAllah. And he just looked at him and I said, SubhanAllah, brother, that is amazing humbleness. That is amazing humbleness in front of the court of Allah and the court of the Prophet And he tells me, no, this is not humbleness. This is the reality. You don't know me. You don't know me. I know myself. And he said, SubhanAllah, this is exactly when a person truly recognizes Allah, that's what he thinks of himself. When a person has understood Allah, he will realize how insignificant he is. How truly dirty and, and worthless a person is in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ya Allah, I don't deserve such a Lord like you. I don't deserve such a Rabb like you. I don't deserve to put my head in front of you in prostration. I don't deserve to raise my hands and, and supplicate to you. When a person understands Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he will understand that we don't deserve this. We are lowly people. And the fact that Allah gave us Islam, gave us Iman, there's nothing greater, no greater honor than this. Brothers and sisters, the message that we all took back from there, from all of these various aspects, was the fact that a day will come. A day will come, just like Arafah was there. Millions of people in the same clothes, lined up. You could not tell a difference. You could not tell a difference between someone who drove an $80,000 car and someone who walked to the masjid. Someone who drove a bike and someone who had extra surplus of four cars. It would be in our own group. And I made, no, I made mention of this. And there were. There were people who drove $150,000 cars. And there were people, subhanAllah, who didn't own a car. But all the same. All of us together in Arafah. All of us together in Mina. No difference. And it hit home real hard. That tomorrow on the day of judgment, the material things we own will make no difference. No one will be able to tell a difference. We won't be able to show our cards. We won't be able to show our black card and our special visa card and our master card. We won't be able to show our business card to anyone. All of that is completely useless. What counts here today is a'mal. What good, the good deeds that we brought is the value that we get. This is exactly the message that Arafat taught us. That Mina taught us, that Muzdalifa taught us, the people on the ground, nothing, we hit rock bottom where there's nothing between you and the floor. People actually sleeping on the floor. Right next to each other, millions of people, you are in someone's face, they're in your feet. And between the mountains, the only roof is the sky. And the ground is the floor, the firash is the hard floor, these pavement, pebbles, you've got pebbles under your back, you're trying to make space. I was thinking the hadith of the Prophet when I was making salah there. Abu Rasulullah told Abu Dhar, when you're making sajda, you can clean up your area of sujood just once. Don't keep on straightening it out. Look, this carpet, have you ever had to straighten it out? But sometimes those pebbles are there. You know how painful it is to make a long sajda? 
on that. At that, uh, that juncture, I remembered, I said, subhanAllah, I can't even make a sajda here, I'm so weak. I have to wipe it clean while I make it. But then I remember the hadith of the Prophet, he said, do it once, oh Abu Dhar, otherwise leave it, don't do it. Because you're ruining the khushu and salah. You're ruining the concentration and salah. What amazing humbleness is created within a person and a realization that day will come when we won't be able to come back to Chicago. We won't be able to come back home. This is it. This will be the final destination. Arafat is the place where people will be gathered on the day of judgment. Only thing that will be worthy there is our amal and our good deeds. That mandar, brothers and sisters, I wish I could share that to you. The TV doesn't do justice if you watch them TV. When you see just millions of people, one, 10 people under this tree, 5 people under that tree, some people hiding under a truck, uh, some people standing in the heat, in the sun, everyone begging and beseeching Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for themselves and the entire ummah, begging Ya Allah. You see people, the different modes of crying, thousands of languages being spoken. Some are dumb, they can't speak as well. Some are speechless and they are, their heart is pouring out, their tears are speaking on behalf from them in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when the sun sets and an ajeeb tranquility overtakes the entire plane, and you look at people greeting each other, millions of people hugging, Hajj Mubarur, Hajj Mubarak. But then you see many others also, they're wiping their tears off, feeling that they didn't get enough. That there was so much more that I wanted to ask for. There's so much more that I wanted from this. Ya Allah, I hope you bring me back here again. Ya Allah, I hope this is not my last Arafah. You see that emotions as well coming out. Brothers and sisters, that day will come true. That is the day of Qiyamah. In the Arasatu Yawm Al-Qiyamah, when you and I will be in the plains of Hashar, when we will not have an opportunity to come back. And at that time, crying tears or tears of blood will be of no benefit. Whatever tawbah we did on this world, on this earth while we're alive is what we'll count. Let us inshallah ta'ala take this message back to our home and let us renew our relationship with Allah. Rekindle the love of Allah in our hearts. Rekindle the love of Rasulullah in our hearts. Rekindle a determination to follow the teachings of the Prophet Rekindle the determinations to revive the teachings of the Prophet in this day, in these days of chaos, in these days of fitan, wherever we live in, in every facet of our life. Let us make an effort to relive the Prophet sunnah. Just like we did over there and millions of people did over there. Islam hasn't changed. Yes, your, your environment, my environment is different, but the hajj that was done 1400 years ago is the same hajj that was done today. Hence, the Jum'ah that was done 1400 years ago is the same Jum'ah of today. The Ramadan of 1400 years ago is the same Ramadan of today. The Rabi'ul Awwal of 1400 years ago, the Muharram of 1400 years ago is the same of today. Let us, inshallah ta'ala, connect ourselves back to the prophetic sunnah, prophetic teachings, prophetic way of lifestyle, and bring back a life of enjoyment, genuine enjoyment, genuine relaxation, genuine happiness. That happiness, tamanina, and contentment lies only in the deen. I pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala once again that He accepts the hajj of the hujjaj, that He accepts their du'as that they made on behalf of themselves and behalf of the entire ummah. Then all of those upon whom hajj is fard and we have not been able to make that trip, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala most definitely facilitates and makes it easy for us to go this upcoming year. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow all of us who celebrated hajj over there or here, allow us to remain steadfast on the goodness that we started. Allow us to remain steadfast with istiqama and save us from becoming entrapped by the deceptions and the tricks of shaitan. Ameen, ya rabbal alameen. Kindly come forward, inshallah. There's a very tight space in the back. Please come forward before you start your sunnah. Fill up all the safs and then begin your sunnah, inshallah. Jazakumullah khair.